a belief is really a feeling of certainty around something. So our beliefs are formed in different stages. And usually there's a decision made that precedes the belief. So sometimes people have one event, one situation happen, and that from that moment on, they think I am good enough or I'm not good enough or you know, whatever different belief they could give themselves. And then they go through their life and the belief actually becomes a perceptual filter. We will delete things that go against what we believe and we'll actually change the field to the world so it actually shows us things that are in alignment with our belief system and a belief isn't actually true it becomes true though and i think it's really easy to look at the results we're getting in life and think that we just have to change our actions but if you can start understanding what your beliefs are and your values are then you can start to understand how if you shift those beliefs then you start getting different actions and different results so really looking at the cause of what's creating the effects in your life or the outcomes in your life and starting to dig into those and and start to shift those and it is really exciting and empowering when you realize how to actually shift those beliefs because i think there's one thing being aware of a belief and it's an entirely different thing to know how to actually shift and, and change it and then see it present a different version of reality for you as well. Welcome to the Self Love Podcast, the show that helps crack open your heart and inspire a deeper regard for your own well being and happiness. Proudly brought to you by 28 Essentials. Here's your host, the gorgeous Kim Morrison. Welcome to the Self-Love Podcast. I am delighted and hugely excited to bring to you a gorgeous interview with two phenomenal souls. Juliet Lever and Paul Elisio are the co-founders of Evolve and Relaunch Education. With over 20 years of combined experience in the personal development industry, Paul and Juliet have trained a community of students worldwide in NLP, neuro-linguistic programming, and hypnotherapy. As a couple, they are deeply passionate about bringing transformational skills and empowering knowledge to coaches and individuals to deepen their healing, their confidence and skills, and personal transformations. We decided there was so much information that we could share. The first part, this first week, is all about Paul and Juliet, their story, how they came together. The second week is all about the how-to. So make sure you listen to both podcasts, and I'm sure you're going to truly enjoy what these beautiful souls have to teach us about the mind, the source of the heart and thinking, the way that we actually use our language, how we can let go of traumas, how we can be our best evolved, most beautiful versions of ourselves. That is what you're going to love about both of these shows Thank you so much for tuning in to the Self-Love Podcast, where you can actually share a five-star rating, which is always so appreciated. And you can also head on over to my Instagram page, Kim Morrison 28. You can also head on over to my Facebook page, Kim Morrison Training. And you can also go to thewellnesscouch.com forward slash self-love podcast. Please leave your comments and feedback. We'd love to hear it. I know you're going to enjoy this double whammy show with these two superstars of stars. You're going to love what they've got to share and say and get ready because there are heaps of gems in both of these shows. Take care, be kind, and I look forward to seeing you again right here, same time on this beautiful self-love podcast. 
Welcome to the Self Love Podcast. This week is a follow-up from last week's where I got to interview two extraordinary souls. And if you haven't listened to last week's, I highly suggest you go back and listen and download that one because there's so much gold and many gems in there that are going to really set you up for this week's podcast. Welcome back to the Self Love Podcast, beautiful Juliet Lever and Paul Alicio. Round two. Thanks for having us, Kim. Yeah, We're excited. excited. To be back on again, yeah. Well, I think we let's dive in because one of the most important things we discovered last week, the power in relationship, the power in self-love, investing in oneself, learning growth, the uh, mindset of curiosity, the acceptance of what is, the ability to level up. But ultimately, most of us are inspired to level up. We don't know how. So you started, Paul, Paul, last week saying that the real pivotal turning point for you was reading. You started to read some books. You didn't, you weren't happy with where you were at. And so the first port of call, is it fair to say for you were books? And if that is the case, and someone's listening to this right now, they don't know where to go. Maybe it's too big a jump to jump right into therapy, or they don't even know what sort of therapy they need. Can you both guide us now on the steps that you took for yourselves in order to grow the tools that you use? Yeah, 100%. I think initially it's just knowing that you starting the search, right? And the search started for me in a book. This day and age, we have lots of vehicles to answer those questions. And, you know, whether it's an audio book, whether it's a physical book, whether it's a course, whether it's a mentor, there's lots of things. So knowing number one, what you're looking for and what you're seeking to fulfill and grow in would be a great start. One of the key things that Juliet and I have just done recently is we wanted to help people evolve. And we're doing that in many ways. We're running courses, we're running trainings. Juliet's got podcasts and we have our social media platforms. But we also, because like you said, one of the key ways that I got that insight and that, that personal shift was reading lots of little snippets from lots of different books. But we tried to summarize most of the key concepts that are going to help someone to start this evolutionary journey, this self-discovery journey, this journey to self-love through our book that we're releasing soon. So we're super excited for that to come out and hopefully you know, we can share it with your audience too um, because we really wanted to make it accessible for everyone. We want it to be uh, easy, integratable, and have small activities that are going to help you to start understanding yourself but also the world, but also shifting your own perception of the world because what we realized is to change the, you, everyone can goes out and try to change the world, right? But the truth is no one sees the world. They see their version of the world. So the best place to start is shifting on how you see yourself and how you see the world around you. And then your world changes. Literally people, places, and things look different, appear different and show you new opportunities when you start looking for them. So we really mapped out a lot of tools and techniques in that. And I like audios. So we're also recording the audiobook tomorrow, which is really exciting. So but also I, I really like journaling and so it's yeah. got activities in there for you to actually do some key powerful self-reflection. Uh, but we've also guided some of the activities as mm. well within that book called Evolve Your Mind. Uh, so we'll definitely share the link with you, Kim, so that people can register for that when it comes out. And, you know, I think for me on my journey, it was definitely getting awareness of my own thoughts mm. and what I was playing on repeat on a day-to-day basis, because, you know, about eighty to 9,000 thoughts a day and 75 to 85% of those thoughts are the same as the day before. A lot of what we're living as our reality is just a habit loop. And so starting to understand what are the habits that I'm running and are they actually useful or unuseful for the future I'm trying to create? And for myself personally, in my mid twenties, I had 
massive anxiety. And when I kept a journal for the first week of my journal, I read the journal back and I counted the word overwhelmed, like something like 20 times. And I had this light bulb of like, Hmm, I wonder if that's why I feel overwhelmed all the time. And so I started working through the list of things I felt overwhelmed about and then started feeling immediately better. And so I think that it's it's really powerful for you to notice, well, what are the patterns? What are the things that I'm saying and thinking to myself on a consistent basis that's creating my reality and what I'm filtering for and how I'm feeling? And I would say no matter what point you're at, that's important. And I also am a big fan of talking out loud to yourself if you're not a fan of writing. Next time you're in the car on your own, just turn off the radio, don't have any podcasts on and have a conversation with yourself. Literally like self-coaching, I'm a big fan of as well. Like just ask yourself. Like, how are you? And answer. And you can use your conscious mind to ask the questions and your unconscious mind or your subconscious will answer and start asking yourself some questions and just start getting curious about this incredible person that you are and what's ticking beneath the surface. I think always comes back to curiosity, always comes back to, you know, whether that's with what you're writing, what you're thinking, what you're saying, that's what's creating your world. So if you want to shift your world, that's where you've got to start. We talked about growing up that our life becomes a set of rules or circumstances or perception of how we see it. And we think that's all that we see. We talk about beliefs and values. And one of the key things that you talked about last week was that we operate or we do what's based on our values. Could you both explain to us a little bit about what beliefs and values are and then how that can lead also into being limiting beliefs, emotions, Talk to us a little bit around that area and how we can help ourselves to grow from what we think we already know. 100%. Well, a belief is really a feeling of certainty around something. So our beliefs are formed in different stages. And usually there's a decision made that precedes the belief. So sometimes people have one event, one situation happen, and that from that moment on, they think, I am good enough, or I'm not good enough, or you know, whatever different belief they could give themselves. And then they go through their life and it, the belief actually becomes a perceptual filter. We will delete things that are, go against what we believe and we'll actually ch- change the filter of the world so it actually shows us things that are in alignment with our belief system. And a belief isn't actually true. It, it becomes true though. Or we have self-fulfilling prophecy where we actually go out and seek things that reinforce our beliefs or identity. So it's this illusion that we make real with our mind. The mind makes it real. And that can be either useful or unuseful. You know, there's a time in life where believing in Santa Claus is useful because you get heaps of presents. But then there becomes a point in your life when believing in Santa Claus is no longer useful because you know you kind of like don't want to spoil it for any listeners or anything. But you know, you do grow up and you become more aware, and then you you end up becoming Santa Claus, right? And then you have to give the presents. So a belief at any point of life can be either empowering or disempowering, useful or unuseful. What got you here won't get you there. So if you, you know, a belief that you had maybe that you weren't good enough might have made you try to prove yourself and you overcompensated by trying to, you know, prove to the world that you were worthy, that might have been useful to a point, but that could cause burnout. That could cause you to constantly be running up against the world that's showing you that you're not good enough. And so by shifting that, that makes a huge difference. And I think it's really easy to look at the results we're getting in life and think that we just have to change our actions. But if you can start understanding what your beliefs are and your values are, then you can start to understand how if you shift those beliefs, then you start getting different actions and different results. So really looking at the cause of what's creating the effects in your life or the outcomes in your life and starting to dig into those and and start to shift those. And it is 
really exciting and empowering when you realize how to actually shift those beliefs. Because I think there's one thing being aware of a belief and it's an entirely different thing to know how to actually shift and and change it and then see it present a different version of reality for you as well, which is what, you know, the students in our courses start to realize once we start Mm -hmm. diving into the tools and techniques is I can actually witness myself now handling situations differently and filtering for a different reality. And and it's incredible because we don't often realize the belief structures and the values in which we're operating until we're getting results that we're not happy with necessarily. And, and so starting to learn, well, what, what are your beliefs in all of the kind of major areas in life can help mm. you identify some key areas that could create massive shifts for you. And also with the values, all your beliefs stem from your values. So we have these values that are usually created from significant emotional events And a lot of our values are driven by our voids. So if we perceive something as missing or lacking in life, then we will spend our life trying to fill that void, that emptiness, that that thing. And so that can be created by having something great and then it's not there anymore and wanting more of it or having a lack of something. For example, growing up, I wasn't very fit, very, I was a bit of a bigger, chonky, you know, whatever word you want to use, kid. And so me developing my physical nature came from not feeling like I had it. I grew up not feeling like I was very intelligent, couldn't read and all those things. So then filling that void of wanting to be intelligent, wanting to read and wanting to do those things became a value for me in life. So for a lot of people, our lack actually becomes something that becomes what we grow into and what we develop. The the challenges and obstacles become the weights and that helps us get stronger over life. And so a lot of our belief systems um, in some of our trainings, we teach you how to work at the values level, because when you shift the value, you actually shift the beliefs. But also when you understand your values, you're going to understand what your inherent unconscious drivers are, because you literally perceive the world through your values. It's how you re-evaluate the world. So you will see things as good or bad, right or wrong, based on your values. And when you understand your values, you understand yourself. So you're really going to know how to get the most out of yourself but also how to work with and inspire everyone around you. Because if you know their values, you know what's important to them and therefore be able to understand and see the world and communicate to them in a way that they understand as well. And that's something that we've only really traditionally taught in our master practitioner training, but we're looking at developing detailed trainings around values because Mm. it is something that I think is just so powerful for people no matter what stage in life they're in and whether they want to be a coach or not. I think really understanding your own personal values and how you can also really, when you tap into that, you can really feel a lot more motivated and inspired in different areas of life and appreciate the people in your life's values at a deeper level of understanding too. So it's, you know, our values and beliefs, they're some of our deepest unconscious filters. And if you can understand them, then you can understand the way that you're actually receiving your world and also appreciate how everyone's filtering for a different version of reality to you based on what's important to them and what they believe. So it's massive. It's it's huge. One of the stories that I heard a while ago was the, the story of two a twin men, tw- twin boys grew up. One of them ended up on social welfare, addicted to drugs. The other one, incredible entrepreneur, amazing business person, intelligent. When they were both interviewed, the the one on the social welfare said, you know, why, why do you think you ended up like this? And he said, because my father was an alcoholic. They interviewed the entrepreneur, the boy that was successful at 26 years of age. And they said, why do you think you've turned out so successful? And he said, because my father was an alcoholic. 
Can you explain a little bit more around that perception then and the filter thing? So one of them grew up believing, obviously, and created filter systems to ha- take actions, to create and to be, I guess, you know, uh, not, not so great in society. And the other one went on. Talk to us a little bit about how that happened and what do you think was the change or the shift for both of them? Perfect. So this is, I love that example because it's the same external stimulus, but two people brought that same external stimulus and they made it mean something different to them. One goes, all right, this is happening. I want to do the exact opposite of that and go out and make myself into something. One saw that and goes, this is the reason why I can't do something. So again, it's that that ability to take the external world, transform it, alchemize it into whether it's fuel for you or it's the kryptonite. You know, Is it the thing that takes away your power and makes you stuck and, and trapped? Or is it the thing that energizes you and helps you grow? Do you turn that shit into fertilizer or do you just step in it and you know be stuck in it and so that sounds like one person filtered that reality in a way that was empowering and useful and made it part of their story as a reason why i'm going to succeed one took that experience saw it filtered it and said this is the reason why i can't succeed and I think, you know, success based on our definitions of success in society, mm. I'm sure if we sat down with both those people and did a detailed personal history and explored all of their values and beliefs mm. and, you know, even their both their needs for significance, maybe one of them got significance by being outwardly financially successful and maybe the other one got significance by having, you know, an illness or being supported by, I don't know, right? And so it's always just curious. And this is where sometimes we'll get asked in our courses when we talk about how everyone's doing the best they can with the resources they have available, for example. Well, what about like murderers, for example, you know? And and so I'm sure knowing this work, it's not that we're saying we're condoning it, but knowing this kind of having this perspective, you know that if you sat down and, and really uncovered and asked enough questions, you could start to understand people's model of the world and maybe what significance they're playing out and, and how they, you know, if I grew up in that person's life, had their traumas, their upbringing, their experiences, their access to different things, maybe I would be that person, right? So it's really easy to judge another person's behaviors, actions, and results because we can only filter the world based on what we've experienced and our life journey has been mm. so different. It's impossible to, you know, say what one person's version of success is or the others. But I love those kind of nature versus nurture examples. And, you know, it is fascinating. I also think about from the perspective of shadow, one of them is being the other person's complete shadow because maybe the one, the twin that is like, outward success, everything he would judge and not want to be sounds like his twin brother is. And maybe the twin brother, maybe he judged his dad or, you know, judged someone that was super outwardly successful so much that the other brother has become everything he rejects and disowns in their shadow. So that's why shadow works a game changer too. And I think you're going to be putting together maybe a course about yeah, that so too. Got, you know, we already run a lot of courses, but we have a but lot of But we're going to build out some values and shadow work courses for people who maybe aren't in master practitioners so that more people yeah, can understand that. A lot of people that. would benefit from those skill sets and the mm-hmm. awareness that are in those courses. And so we definitely want to run some more because you just get, like you said, that love, that acceptance. If you, When you understand these concepts, you really look through a different set of eyes and you see the world differently because you realise so much more about yourself and other people and it really shifts that black and white judgment and it really frees you up to be you and Mm -hmm. get out of your own way but also to just let people be who they are and not let what they do determine how you feel about yourself either um, which is a huge thing for a lot of people. I think 
one of the most important things around this particular work and model. I've spoken and we know a lady in, who's done your training who was a psychologist for 10 years, um, did a lot of great work and then learnt NLP, timeline therapy, hypnosis and said she has just, and it's not knocking the world of psychology or anything, but she's just noticed a much quicker direct transfer of energy, spatial awareness, mindset, all of those things that occur through this work. Could you explain to us then what the heck is NLP, timeline therapy? How does hypnotherapy tie into all of this? And are these integrative methods that we use, why are they so profound on our unconscious mind? Great, great question. NLP itself comes from the idea of modeling. And so modeling in terms of the way of finding what works and creating a system and a structure that anyone can follow and replicate to get the same outcome or same result. And that's really powerful because what that they, the early innovators that created NLP did, they went and saw people that were actually getting results and they wanted to find out what they were actually doing to get those results, the languages they were using, the way they communicated, the patterns, the techniques. And that really created what became what most people think of NLP. But just like anything, there's lots of different kinds of car repair mechanics out there. There's lots of different plumbers, but it's not just the tools, it's the way they're applied. And so one thing we're really big on is intentionality. Hmm. And so I've seen people do a swish pattern. I've seen people do timeline therapy and I've seen them not get the results that I've seen some of our students get. It's not, but it's because, you know, the way they wield that hammer, the way they use that saw, they've just got a different level of awareness and a different intention to how they apply it. And so we're really big on the connection between the coach and the client and creating that deep sense of rapport that evolved state, which is a state of mind that you go into as a coach slash therapist, where you are seeing the potential in the client because they've walked in the door with the world that they've created and knowing that they're the creator of their reality and that if they've created the challenges and problems that they have, they've also got the solution inside of them. And so really making the client the expert and knowing they already have everything they need inside them, that's a whole nother level of operating on then going, I'm just going to sit here and work out how you're messed up and you in a hole and, and label you as this or that which some models of therapy are really concerned with well, which category do you fit in and which diagnosis should i give you which has a place and can be useful mm. but we want to get people beyond labels because the labels that people give themselves i'm depressed i'm sad i'm stuck i am a victim they become your story and then you've just reinforced that so we want to connect that person to the infinite potential that's inside of them again and then as a coach use the tools and techniques to help them chip away anything that may have stopped them from seeing that that diamond that's shining because you're born as a diamond and then life happens and you get these layers of shit that's stacked up on it and then you want to paint over them we actually want to help you chip away those layers and not just make a shiny outside get you to see what's really there get you to connect to that part of yourself again and so really in essence the tools we teach whether it be timeline therapy hypno nlp are just vehicles for people to get back to that to get back to the true you to the resources you have inside you and to be able to access that sense of unlimited potential inside yourself again. And there's just a lot of ways to do that in the methods we teach. And so a lot of styles of therapy are very conscious-based and they are very, you know, just go do this, just go do that. But we know that most people operate from unconscious habit patterns, unconscious perceptions, their beliefs and values. And you could tell someone to go do this but a lot of people will sabotage, they'll trip over, they'll fall over because they are fighting against themselves. I like to explain this, the story of Sisyphus, where you have to push the boulder up the hill one day 
and then it rolls back down again. So you only are getting the result when you're focused on it. And the second that you switch off, it just rolls back to where it was. So instead of fighting against that, we're working with it. So all the tools we use in all our trainings work with the unconscious mind to shift emotion, to shift perception, and to work with the values so that they're creating long-lasting change. And it's instant, it's dramatic, it's night and day. It's You don't have to fight for it. You don't have to work for it. You just think and feel different. And it's it's done. It's you know when you've experienced the power of a transformation of letting go of a lifetime of emotion in a, a therapeutic technique, and you no longer feel that emotion when you think about that event, it's just it is different. There's no need to continue to talk about it, work through it. The work is done, and so that's very transformative, very powerful. And I think for a lot of people, when they start integrating that into how they work with clients or in their own personal life it's a complete night and day from what they've experienced in other modes of work. My personal observation also from many psychologists who have studied with us and who have done this work is almost like a sigh of relief in the NLP and hypnotherapy trainings that they're given time to work on their stuff Mm. and be a human as well. And I think in our world and our reality, there's this pedestal that psychologists get put on that's unuseful for their own journeys where they're perfect and they don't have any problems and they're the ones helping everyone else with their problems, but everyone's human. And so I think it's a real gift that everyone that studies this work, you get to be both the client and the coach in that you get to know what it feels like to be on the receiving end of the tools and techniques. And hmm, what was it like when the person spoke to me with that tonality? Were they condescending or did they have rapport with me or whatever, Mm. right? And then what is it like to help someone else shift it and being able to like physically, mentally, emotionally see a shift in someone that is irrefutable, undeniable in the space of five seconds. And it sounds unbelievable but when you experience it what it starts to stack after you know days and days of training is belief in people's capacity to change any of the limiting beliefs any of the stories any of the ways that they have been showing up because if you can see other people doing it in the space of a couple of days then it starts to tell you well maybe someone doesn't have to spend 10 years working through a traumatic situation Mm. maybe they can actually start to shift their associations to things and we can start to redefine the narrative for how someone can create change and how to help someone access more resourceful emotional states. The other thing I would say that is huge in what we teach, as Paul said, on top of the intention is this real space of non-judgment in that that those presuppositions, these like beliefs of NLP that we adopt that I've been referring to during this podcast and the last one that we did last week is about everyone's doing the best they can with their resources they have available. And we never judge the the person, we look at helping shift the behavior and, and, and exploring that. So I think the other thing that's powerful as well, obviously from an NLP perspective is it's very outcome focused. So rather than just, oh, this is my problem and I want to work through my problem, you know, we've all done gardening and we've all weeded a garden. And if you just pull out the weeds, a couple of months later, more weeds are going to grow back. Whereas NLP is very outcome focused. Okay. What is it that you want to plant? Let's clear the weeds and then let's consciously and unconsciously plant it there so that that can grow in that space that we've just forged and so there's a lot of things that come into it but i think the open-mindedness the curiosity and that safe space for people to work on their own stuff um that that creates a really powerful space of growth for anyone regardless of whatever background they've studied and i think especially for that example you used we're coming from a different belief system than some traditional styles of therapy we want our coaches and everyone that does the training to walk out with the belief that 
people's problems are a mental construct that they are literally if you if, if you draw a space on the ground they said i said put your problems in this space no one will be able to put anything in it other than their own body and the truth is there's nothing wrong with their body it's just the way they look at it and the way they think about it because a lot of people would trade and would love to have the body that most of them have and most people end up pointing at their head and there's nothing wrong with their head either it's just the neurological links and connections they've made in their neurology. But if we chopped your head open and we zoomed in with a microscope to try to find the exact neurons that had the problem, there'd be nothing there. It'd be an illusion. It would turn to molecules, particles, and then the quantum vacuum. There's no problems there. So when people realize it's a neurological construct, Hmm. they really start to free themselves. And then they can see their client knowing that the problems the clients walk in the door with aren't in, inverted commas real it's a perception it's the way they are remembering or projecting into the future there's no actual problem that changes your belief system and your model of working with people and then you will literally see clients dissolve their problems in an instant the second that you help them to create that reality too so it's very very powerful work and it's really connecting people back to the all the power they have inside them to create a reality and therefore to change a reality too Ah, it's it's so I just get goosebumps. I love this work so much. I want let's let's get real with both of you. Give us both an example of perhaps a limiting emotion, limiting decision, limiting thought that you've held, maybe you've had a belief around, and then what you did to change that for both of you, and then how is that outcome now for you? Mm, there's so many that I have worked through in my life. Um, I would say that. A big one that I had to work on early on in my coaching career was that I wasn't worthy and that I wasn't good enough. And that's a kind of a pretty big universal that a lot of students in our trainings have to work on in some derivation of the word. But that had shown up for me in staying in my corporate job for a long time, not thinking that I had any transferable skills and also staying in a relationship for a lot longer than probably what was healthy as well. So that was a really big one that gave me the confidence and the worth to start my own business. Because I think if I hadn't shifted that, I I, I actually thought before I started my business that it would probably have taken me five years to start a business. And then literally I shifted that belief. And then I started my business, got so busy that I had to quit my corporate job. So that was a game changer. There have been so many. There have been yeah, a lot. Yeah, and this is what's hard because you, when you do so much work, it's just like brushing your teeth. Yeah. You don't necessarily remember every time you brush your teeth, but you know you do it consistently. Well, Paul does. If he has something come up, he'll just quickly do a timeline while he's driving. He's like, hang on, I'm just doing a pro- Yeah, okay, cleared that belief with something that's just or come up. Or shadow work in the morning or whatever. You know, it becomes part of your routine. Yeah. I think when, I was, when you said that, I was going back in my mind and I actually think some of the work I did early on is probably the most pivotal because it compounded over the time. Like, yeah. like I said, the first workout you ever do, you know, it's the hardest and you don't really know what you're doing. You're kind of swinging around on equipment and everyone's looking at you weird, but it starts the process. And so for me, basically just doing some self-hypnosis where I actually just learned to quiet my mind, quiet my body and make suggestions to my unconscious mind because I was afraid of the world. I was like, my fears were getting bigger. My world was getting smaller. I couldn't do anything, right? And so for me to tell myself that I was cool, calm, collected, and confident seemed like a, a, a dream, right? But then eventually the world changed. And literally as I learned to connect my mind and body and quiet them both and get calm and centered and really give clear instructions to my body and mind, that opened up the world for me. And then just building on that foundation and then actually learning how to not just swing the pink dumbbells around, actually do the heavy lifting with proper technique and you know do it in a way that actually builds the, the muscles in your mind the way you want to, builds that emotional endurance. 
that took time, but I had to do a lot of Zumba classes with random things in order to get to some real, you know, deadlifts and squats that were something that will build the kind of resilience in, in, in my ability to handle the world. And, you know, that took time, but I think that those early just exploration and trying on new things and building that muscle that was pretty floppy and pretty weak at the time compounded. And then, you know, over the years, having huge shifts in my relationships because of the internal work, having huge shifts in my business because I like, cleared some blocks I had on my upper limit of what was possible for me, mm. having huge shifts in, uh, you know, my ability to be comfortable and confident speaking in front of groups. Basically, it's a very big question, Kim. Yeah. Because everything. It literally, (laughs) most areas of my life now are a byproduct of the internal work I did at some point. I think as well, like one thing that I I always reflect on when we talk about beliefs and how we filter, what we filter for, we find like I remember being in my 20s and still being married and not being very happy. And a lot of my friends would say, oh, you're lucky you're married. There's no good men out there. And so they're literally their belief structure was there's no good men out there. They were literally just deleting all the good men. And and I didn't have that belief, thankfully, because I met Paul. <laughs> but, you know, it's it's amazing how we sometimes don't even realise how much we're doing it. And so if you start even just getting curious and listening to the language of the people around you and noticing, like, what could that be saying about their beliefs? But also, you know, what are your results in different areas of life? And that could be indicating some areas, you know, the areas where you're not getting the results you want could be reflections of areas where your beliefs need a little fine-tuning. So. I wanted to say to you, it's funny you should say that. One of the trainings we were doing together um, when we were down, I think we were actually in Adelaide when we had live sessions, um, someone turned around to me and said to me, how do you think like that? And I'd never given it any thought that whenever someone said to me, um, could you bake a cake? I go, yeah, I'd be good at that. Or would you sell real estate? I always thought, yeah, I could be really good at that. Um, someone else said to me, could you fly a plane? I thought, I don't know how, but I know if I learned it, I could be really good at that. And and I said it so often, apparently, a girlfriend bought me a T-shirt that had, I'd be really good at that on my T-shirt. I did not realise that that was actually a winning strategy that worked for me. And so I want to ask you both, we all have these filters that you're talking about how we see the world, but the, the strategies and the way that we actually run that internal software we can reprogram that so quickly and so effectively. And it's not that everything has to be a win or the result that we're after, but each level takes us to another level and maybe more awareness of it had or hadn't happened a certain way. So your techniques, neurolinguistic programming, NLP, timeline therapy, I also want you to explain what timeline therapy is. We've talked about NLP, timeline therapy, and then talk to us a bit, a little bit about self-hypnosis and hypnosis, because both of those are really now diving into the unconscious mind. Could you clarify those for us and just explain to someone that might be very new to this? Perfect. Well, all of those, those tools and techniques, they all work slightly differently depending on which tool out of that toolkit you're looking at. But like you said, it can make you aware of the patterns you're running and if they're useful or unuseful, but then give you specific ways of shifting them. And now NLP has a huge amount of tools. It can be everything from changing emotional states and anchoring to you know different tools and techniques to change habits and beliefs. And they all com- come together in what people think is NLP. And at each level of training, there is a, a variety of tools and techniques for that. Timeline therapy itself comes from modeling um, some of the work Milton Erickson used to do and comes with the way people store and perceive time and also how they store memories with emotional attachment. And so using the structure of that, you can actually transform 
long-held traumatic and emotional events and beliefs that people have been running their whole life very quickly in under five to 10 minutes and literally transform. You know, someone can walk in the door with a post-traumatic stress type situation and with the timeline therapy technique, you can literally help them to release the emotions attached to those traumatic events and to have a completely different perspective on them within minutes. Mm, so NLP was developed in sort of the mid to late 70s. Timeline therapy was developed about a decade after. So traditional t- um, NLP does help you uncover and be able to change beliefs using understanding where the pictures are in your mind and where we actually store beliefs, things that we believe. So if you believe something, there'll be a certain location and certain associations to those pictures and changing those associations, you can actually change the beliefs. With timeline therapy, what's super fascinating and why I love, love, love timeline therapy is it's actually helping us find the place in our neurology that exists before the belief was formed. And so what it does is it actually allows us to access that place within our thinking before the belief formed. And so then all of a sudden we're no longer in that belief structure. So it almost blows out the boundaries of that belief that was held in the now by going into the place within our neurology. It's like finding the not problem, the complete what's called from a quantum physics perspective, the non-mirror image reverse of the way the problem or the belief was held in the now, it's actually finding the opposite, the reverse, and it's super fascinating. And and it blows my mind, I think, for a number of reasons, not only how quick it is, which is usually why what, what people struggle with with timeline therapy the most is like, wait, how is it only take five or 10 minutes for me to actually unravel the belief that I've had for 30 or 40 or 50 years, right? But also it's profound because the way that it works is it communicates directly with the unconscious mind. And it's like learning the language of your subconscious mind. And up till now, most of us have been sending really clear, unclear, mixed messages to our unconscious mind. And so for a lot of us, we have a bit of a disconnect between what we say and what we do. And and what timeline therapy really does is it helps bridge that gap and build that rapport. And so it does use a mild form of hypnosis, but it's not sort of hypnotherapy in the sense of what Paul teaches. And so some of the structure that we teach in timeline therapy or NLP, some of that comes originally modeled from hypnotherapy. Mm. And there's lots of different hypnotherapy courses out there. But one of the things that Julia and I are really big on is going above and beyond the standard and evolving what is taught in those trainings. Because NLP is really about modeling excellence. And, you know, the model for a lot of NLP or timeline therapy or hypnotherapy courses got stuck in the 80s or got stuck in the 70s and if you were still walking around rocking the stuff you saw in the 80s eventually it would come back into fashion but for us there's a lot of new and improved ways of doing things so what i've really done is studied as much as i can from as many different places and as many different fields in the world and i've taken bits and pieces and combined them to create like a transformer of all the best little bits, put them all together, and it becomes even something even more powerful. So with hypno, we actually borrow things from stage hypnosis, street hypnosis, therapeutic, clinical forms of hypnosis, and really turn it into a a whole blend of transformational applied hypnotherapy where you're not stuck to a piece of paper, reading a piece of paper, you're connected to the client and the skills are actually installed into you. So you've got all the tools, all the framework, and all the hypnotic language there. So you can just be and let the hypnosis happen. Hypnosis is not something you do. It's something that you are. It just flows through you when you're in the right state. So we really spend the time in the training turning you into a hypnotic. Uh, you have a hypnotic holiday, 
and you actually walk out a hypnotic wizard by the end of it as and well. And some people might be thinking to themselves like, yeah, but why would I want to learn hypnotherapy? I don't want to be a hypnotherapist. But I think on a personal level and a professional level, the benefits are massive. Personally, the depths of relaxation, of understanding of self, of communication with your own subconscious mind are beyond anything that you probably have experienced. Like we have people who have done massive meditation courses and they say I'm more relaxed on day one of the NLP of the hypnotherapy course than any of that. Uh, but also from a professional perspective, the the smoothness of delivery when you're public speaking, for example, the confidence in yourself in articulating your message, mm. those sorts of things start to carry across from the hypnotherapy training where you really are a unified person and delivering in a way that is um, is impactful as well, which is really important. Communication is one of the most important skills any of us can learn. So I think. And when, when you, if you do the hypnotherapy training, you realize that all communication is hypnotic in nature. Mm. You can't have a, a self-talk or dialogue in your own head without hypnotizing yourself. You can't have a communication or an interaction with people without consciously or unconsciously influencing them and you. So when you realize this and you realize the nature and the structure of how we put words together and we literally cast spells on ourselves and everyone around us, you will realize that everyone's doing hypnosis. A lot of people aren't trained in it. And so that means that the people around you may be hypnotizing you that's in an unuseful way. Most of our hypnotherapy and most of our programming came from our primary hypnotists called our parents. Um, and so most of our parents weren't trained in hypnotherapy. And a lot of the things that they hypnotize you with, even your name, the, the name that you respond to is the noise that you were trained to respond to. It's the noise people make to make you pay attention so if i hear the noise pull i pay attention and that's been hypnotically programmed into me and so was a lot of really unuseful things too and so when i learned the power of hypnotherapy i not only became a more effective communicator to the external world but also to myself because i don't tell myself stories that are limiting anymore i don't you know run rubbish through the program because garbage in equals garbage out and so you realize the power in the words that you use and it will make you, number one, more effective with yourself, but number two, a better parent, better partner, uh, better boss, uh, just better communicator in general. I cannot recommend it enough in the way that we can actually, I would, I would actually take your words, Paul, that hypnotherapy training was all about unhypnotizing us and getting us back into a place of of calm and I use it so often and now that I've learned it way more powerfully I think I'm a much better communicator and possibly I think the hypnotherapy made me fall in love with interviewing people talking to people more because I hear things in a very different way since training with you and I love to get to the heart the core of the person that I'm listening to and I think hypnotherapy also taught me how to be a better listener, full stop. And I think listening is way more powerful in communication in giving me the cues and also what NLP taught me about the physical cues. This is stuff that could be across all realms, whatever we do physically, whatever we do in business, whatever we do in work, as a parent, as a friend, a partner. All of these tools, all three of those modalities that you guys teach so profoundly have given me, and I can just say this from a personal experience, way better at my business, my relationships, my relationship to money, my relationship to my neighbors, everything and anything. I cannot recommend you to enough. Not only do you guys teach what you've learned through those models, but you are so true. You've elevated and evolved beyond what you're taught, which is why I think Evolve and Relaunch, your business, 
is even more outstanding. And I know it's probably, you know, this might sound like I'm doing a big plug. I really cannot help myself to plug you to enough. I think you're the experts, the leaders and the change agents in the way that we all think. And I just wanted to take a moment to truly acknowledge you both for the amount of work that you put in behind the scenes to deliver the most comprehensive, up-to-date, evolutionary um, teachings that I've ever been a part of. And I just want to publicly thank you for allowing me to be who I want to be too. Hmm. Thank you, Kim. That means the world. And, you know, you're, you're a superstar. And if anything that we taught or helped share with you helped that star shine any brighter, then that's that's a privilege to the world. So, yeah, thank yeah. you. And that's really, you know, we often have students thank us and we will literally honestly genuinely say the best thanks you can give is using this work and having your ripple effect in the world and shining your light as bright as you can. Like that's the best thanks for us. Mm. When we see people in flow and living their purpose and not having those blocks and layers of limitation that most people just live their whole lives carrying around that's the best thanks so yeah thank you yeah and you know that we we i like to call people superstars and because i know that we literally come from stars we are stars we are you know if you want to get all metaphysical like light beings and so the more you can tap into that inner light and shine it the more everyone else will too. You know that our deepest fear is not that we're inadequate. We said we're powerful beyond measure and it's our light that scares us the most. So thank you for being a shining example of what's possible as well. And for us to mirror that back to you and you to mirror it to us is huge. And this is what will happen. Like the more that people cleanse the mirror, the, all, the more they'll see is just love and light you know, it sounds corny and I don't want to get all, you know, do ultra, it, ultra do spiritual, it, go there. But, you know, and you know, you know, you know me, I'm not like super, like, you know, just vibe out and whatever, like I'm practical in, in saying this, but it does sound a bit woo woo, but we will just, you know, realize that there's so much potential in everyone. And the more we can help ourselves and other people to actualize that, the more everyone's going to step into that too. So mm. thank you for being a part of our world. And I love sharing it with people that are like-minded that are on the journey. And I'm so glad that you, you've got so much from what we do as well. Well, I think it's such an evolution of humankind to level up, to step into being curious around finding that light, getting into the cave, finding mm. the mud and realizing the lotus can grow totally just as well out of the mud as it would in the pure, clean water, realizing that none of us are perfect. We're all imperfectly perfect. We are all a work in progress. And to honor that and own that is one of the greatest gifts you can not only give to yourself, but to everybody in your world and the ripple effect and the permission that you give to be yourself actually allows other people to do the same. And in that concept of evolution, my final question for you, something you both taught, which is outside any of the models, which is around a beautiful soul, someone I've been listening a lot to the audios of his old teachings is Claire Graves. Now, I'm a little bit blown away by him as a psychologist, and he created, I think it's called the cyclical theory. But there is something quite significant, I think, in where we're at in the world right here, right now. Would you both mind just finishing today's podcast around just what you believe is that evolutionary model of us and where we're all sitting and what the potential is for us to keep going? 100%. So, yeah, as you know, we, we do share a lot of the ideas from the spiral and about the levels of consciousness that you evolve through as a human being and the levels of value that people was prescribed because there's different ways of seeing the world through different points of view and every level has a devil. Every level has a challenge, has an obstacle, but also has some great things about it. And as you grow through life, 
you'll overcome these challenges. And what was important to you at one level becomes not important. And you, you go through almost like a personality change and a shift. And so there's different people in society that are at different levels. And when you learn some of these structures and frameworks, you really see people where they're at and know that there's it's important that we have people at every single level. But for a lot of people that are on the growth and development journey, they're at what's called the leading edge. They're at the new frontier of developing the next levels in our psychosocial development. And they're actually creating the next step in evolution in terms of what's possible for a human in consciousness. And so each level has its own challenges and the world external brings them up. But as it solves the challenges it's presented with, the world changes and what's possible in the world changes. And so for a lot of people, when they overcome their internal obstacles, the external world allows them to see new possibilities and probabilities. And then that shows and creates a scaffold and almost a ladder for everyone that's following the steps to take as well. And so if you're one of the people at the leading edge and you're like putting the first footprint on the moon, then there's other people that can follow in those footsteps and know that it's safe. So this is that whole, you know, the sheep that leaves the the other sheep, initially they want to bring it back. They want to pull it back in because of safety in numbers. But eventually if they see that sheep out there happy and thriving and, and, you know, doing what it does, other sheep will feel safe to leave the herd as well. And so, you know, for people that are out doing the growth journey, you might get other people in your family and friends saying, what are you doing? Why are you doing these things? You're changing, you're, you know, you're, you're not who you used to be and, you know, what are you doing? That's common. But after a while, people will see that and that will give them and liberate them to be able to step up and grow as well because you're making it safe. You're showing them that growing and developing as a person is super safe. It's actually quite fulfilling and rewarding and it makes it okay for them to do it too. So sometimes you need to be, the, as Juliet would say, stupid, brave person to take that first step because then other people will feel comfortable and safe to do that as well. And you're actually shining that light, that lighthouse for other people to follow as well. I think it's a really very big question without going into all the detail of all the different levels. I think just on a high level, I would say what I'm noticing in the world is uh, uh, what we kind of touched on in terms of learnings from the last few years is seeing a lot more people creating that inner security for themselves. Mm. And that has been an area where predominantly our society has been quite stuck at that values level for um, needing security from an employer or the government or, you know, the black and white kind of right and wrong. A lot of people have been making that transition from that level four thinking and mindset into more of the level five. Okay. I'm, I'm going to find my own way, make my own success. And then once we shift into beyond that level, we start being more about like, well, how can we make it better for everyone else and community and, and society and a bit more spiritual? And so I think we're seeing people transcend and shift in consciousness quicker through those levels. But as Paul said, every level has a devil. So I think it's easy to think, oh, well, because there's a level that's higher, it's good to get to that one. But it's whatever level you're at, really um, mastering that and integrating it and owning it without kind of judging or making any of the other levels wrong and, and looking at this beautiful reality and world that we're living in and acknowledging and appreciating all the levels for what they bring and the contrast that they bring as well. So um, without 
going too much deeper into it. I guess that's what I'm seeing, which is really exciting. A lot more people that were stuck in meaningless jobs, finding things that they're passionate about or are starting to ask more questions about, you know, their spirituality where they might not have been as open to. And that's what I think is really exciting because that's where we can start seeing more conscious decisions for the world and better decisions, I guess, in the world at a large as well and helping those more global issues that we are being presented with on a more consistent basis too. So I think it's, you know, I think it's exciting. I have hope and and, and positive for the future and and I think, you know, it's a, it's an interesting trend that we're looking at and what's coming through as well, but not, you know, skipping any of the, the, the levels as well. I think that's what I love so much about both of you, the inspiration you offer to us, being ourselves. You both liberated me to launch my own things and to be myself in that and stand proud in that, knowing that all the tools and each one of us will learn something like this and perhaps teach it differently or give it a, a framework from our own experiences. And I think a lot of us just love to follow good old Joseph Campbell's The Hero's Journey, where we go out on some adventure, we get beaten up, trodden on. We find mentors, we find coaches, we learn, we then find the treasures and we come back a more evolved human only to set out on another adventure. I think think what you've taught me is that life is one big adventure. Give it everything you've got. Realize everyone's doing the best that they can with love in our hearts and with a pure intention for the greater good. Then I think in all honesty, good will always outshine the evil or the harm or what we perceive to not be right. Thank you. Is there any question I should have asked that I didn't ask you both that you'd love to share as a final message? Oh, no. Just like, how do we get so lucky having incredible students like Mm. you? And we often get asked that in our courses, actually. We have people ask us that question like, oh, how is there just so many awesome people all in a space and all in a room? And, you know, there's not like the annoying person or that sort of thing. So like for us, our our students and our community, we really believe is a reflection of us. And so we keep kind of, you know, just bringing amazing people and keep trying to do the work and have amazing people around us that are committed to growth and who are willing to show up and be vulnerable. And so we go first and we, we try and create that too. You know, we're not teaching these things saying we're perfect. I mean, as Paul would say, everyone's perfect. It's just our perception that we're not, that isn't. Um, but you know, we're, we're really honest and open humans too, but yeah, how do we get, how do we get so lucky? It's probably not all luck. It's also partly down to, to doing lots of work and brushing the teeth daily. Right. What would you say? <laughs> I would say um, just the, the basics. How do people get started? Well, it starts by getting started. Just having that awareness, setting your intention to grow, to learn, to evolve, small steps, build up, you know. Read our the, book. Take yeah. the first step. <laughs> listen to this audio. That's number one. Yeah. Implement some of the things you learn. If you want to dive deeper, follow us on you know socials or get the book. We've got some free downloads and things you can get onto as well. Um, keep evolving. You know, just small steps lead to a long journey. And just compare you to you. I think it's really easy to go, oh, they're so much further ahead. But everyone is at the exact same level. They've just all been doing different things. So We've just been sliding the bars in different ways in different fields. Yeah. Yeah. And to follow you both, just give us the last final plug. How can we find you guys? Yeah. So if you head to our website, evolveandrelaunch.com.au, we have got freebies, downloads, and you can find details about our brand new book, Evolve Your Mind, coming out. And on Instagram, it is at evolveandrelaunch as well probably the best places. Our personal socials are there too. Yeah. 
You're both in a phenomenal souls. I absolutely adore you, not only as my mentors and teachers, but also my, my fellow advocates and also dearest friends. I love you with all my heart and I cannot thank you enough for being on the Self Love Podcast. Thank you so much. Thank you, Kim. Lots of love. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Self Love Podcast. Be sure to write a review and share the love with your friends and family and head over and visit Kim and her team at 28.com. That's the word 20 and the number 8.com. Take good care. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.